we're to start a two-week series this week and next week where Pastor Steve, myself, and Jen will team teach to you guys. And we thought it would be wonderful to speak on gratitude going into the Thanksgiving series. So tonight, you'll see, we're going to talk about how gratitude can be used as an offense against the enemy. But next week, we're going to talk about how gratitude can be used as defense. So tonight's offense, next week's defense. You guys ready? Yes. This was a great study for me. And uh, if we repeat anything, you can blame the Holy Spirit. That must mean that you need to hear it more than once, okay? Because all, all we did was just got together for like five or ten minutes and said, okay, we're going to depend on the Holy Spirit to, to lead us. So uh, this is gratitude part one, uh, the offensive weapon of gratitude, and I like to call it taking ground, taking ground. And then the defense would be standing or holding ground. And sometimes, you know, the Bible tells us that we need to do that. So gratitude as an offensive weapon. Uh, I'd like to read to you Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. Uh, but since we only have about 15 minutes, you can at home read chapter 2, verse 1 to 8. You'll get the full context there. But in uh, Colossians 2, 6, it says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding with thanksgiving. The words in it were in one Greek version, but in another Greek version, in it is not there. So I, I like that other version, abounding with thanksgiving. There's some really important words. These two verses are just packed full of uh, action verbs, and uh, I just want to give you a few brief definitions. That word received, as you therefore have received Christ, it means that you've taken hold, that you have learned of Christ, that you have apprehended Christ as he was transmitted to us via the Holy Spirit. We learn Christ like the nine people that, that Pablo had the privilege to lead to the Lord. Uh, he transmitted that message, and they received Christ. So it's a very powerful verb. And then it says to walk in him. That means to follow, to advance, or to progress, to take advantage of every opportunity afforded you. Then it tells us to be rooted, which means to be thoroughly grounded and established. To be built up. So then we build on top of that what has been established, that foundation, those roots, those roots in the seed, they start growing down. You can't see them. And then the stalk comes up and then the, the, the uh, plant uh, grows and produces fruit. But you got to have those roots to keep it from blowing away like a tumbleweed. Pastor Tim likes to use that analogy. The tumbleweed that's not rooted in anything and any kind of breeze that comes up, it just blows it to the next county or the next state, wherever it might be. Then, so to, to build is to continue to grow and increase. So you know how they build. And when we go to Egypt and some other third world nations, you always see re-rod 
at the top of the buildings. You ever notice? And satellite dishes. They all have satellite dishes. But as they build, they leave the re-rod there. I think it's like a governmental thing, so they don't have to pay as many taxes, or the next time they start to build on it, as their family grows or whatever, uh, they can do so without pulling the permits. And you think a permit's hard to pull here in Michigan? Yeah, try it over there in Egypt or one of those other nations. So to uh, continue to grow and increase, to be established is to confirm and make sure. And then I love this word abounding, abounding. It means abundantly. It means overflowing, excelling. And the Greeks in in the Bible days used this word uh, when they were talking about a flower. So you've seen flowers, and early on, they're little buds. You know spring's coming when the trees get the little buds on them. When the, when the, the, we have uh, rows of Sharon plants in our backyard, and they got a pretty good-sized bud. And then you ever see a lily? The buds are like three inches long. But that's not the glory of the flower. The glory's inside that. And then when it comes to full fruition, it blooms, and that's when you see even Solomon is not arrayed like one of those flowers. Amen? And, and then Thanksgiving... And you'll probably be familiar with the root word here, eucharistia. You've heard of the Eucharist, right? And that is simply a Greek word that means good grace. Good grace. Uh, It means gratitude, and you can use this gratitude to worship God. And I got a definition in one of John Piper's articles on gratitude, and he calls it the completion of encouragement. The completion of encouragement. Or it should be, anyway. It should be. When we're encouraged in the Lord, when we're encouraged by, uh, by his word, by the Holy Spirit, who is the encourager, the comforter, right? And we're encouraged by a message that you've heard, or by a friend when you're, you're going through something difficult, then we should respond by giving gratitude and praise to God. Now, I got a few... Uh, Places in Scripture that I'm going to go over quickly with you, one in the Old Testament and two, uh, yeah, one in the Old and two in the New. The first one's in Second Chronicles five, and this is when the the temple was completed, and Solomon was dedicating the temple, and he prayed this great prayer, and it says, I'm just not going to read the whole thing, but it says when he was done, all the the band, uh, the the choir. They had one voice. They were in one voice. They were all in unity, and they were praising and thanking God. And it says then, that he, they said, for he is good. God is good. His mercy endures forever. And the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Now, did you know, you know we're, we're advancing, we're taking ground. And let me say this, when the glory of the Lord fills any place, the enemy is nowhere to be found. When he came into that temple, that enemy was getting hives and coughing and choking, and out he ran, and away he went. When he fills this temple, the enemy has no place in it, and we're chasing him away. We're resisting the enemy, and he's fleeing. 
And we do this with gratitude. We do it with gratitude. You're taking ground. Ground that the trespasser took illegally. We can lawfully take it back. He's a trespasser and he's there without a permit. We can take it back. Another example. In Acts chapter 16. So Paul and Silas and Timothy uh, had joined together. And I believe they were in Philippi. And so they, they come across this woman who was basically a slave to these uh, masters that were making money off of her because she had a spirit of divination. So she was like, like a psychic, a modern-day psychic. Well, it, I love how it says this in this passage. I'm not going to read it to you. I'll just paraphrase it. But uh, it says that Paul and Silas were greatly annoyed by her. And uh, she was mocking and she was doing all that. So, uh, well, they had an answer. They said to the spirit of uh, divinity, come out of her. And that spirit had to obey because they had the authority of Jesus Christ. And that spirit went far away. And uh, so her masters, now they were ticked off because they just lost their, their living, their way of making money. And so they're mad. So they get the magistrates, the magistrates and they uh, accuse Paul and Silas of doing illegal things. So they throw them in this prison, in the center of the prison, the deepest part of the prison. It's dark. It's dank. There's no toilets. There's no lights. The prisoners are all in there. No baths, no shower. They're chained together. They're shackled. And as they're probably murmuring, because who knows how long they've been there, at midnight, the darkest part of the night, Paul and Silas, they start offering thanksgiving to God. At midnight, they started singing psalms and hymns and praising God and giving thanks. They, they counted it an honor to suffer for his namesake. And what happens? A supernatural miracle. The earthquake comes. I say the Lord caused the earthquake. And it shook the place and the gates were busted open and the shackles fell off and they were all set free, all the prisoners. To the point that the jailer, the Philippian jailer, said, oh no. And he was about to commit suicide because he knew that he'd be in big trouble. And Paul says, wait a minute, we're all here. Nobody's left yet. We're all here. It's okay. It's okay. Everything's safe. And, and, and here's the, one of the greatest open doors of ministry I've ever heard. You know what it is, Pastor. The jailer says, what do I need to do to be saved? Has anybody ever come up just out of the blue to you and ask you that? Well, take advantage of it if they do, right? What do I do to be saved? And they, they told him, and this whole household got saved. That's taking ground from the enemy. The, the enemy had to flee, and now he won many souls to Christ through their praise and through what they were doing, obeying God and giving him glory. In the midst of thanksgiving... God will move on our behalf. He is a good God, and he'll always come through for us if we only believe. And the supreme example of taking ground by giving thanks is this. It's, of course, our Savior, Jesus, at the Last Supper in Luke chapter 22. And it says, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. 
We do that on communion Sundays, remembering what the Lord uh, has done for us. And Jesus knew what was facing him. He knew it was coming. But he gave thanks for that body that was going to be broken because he saw the future. He knew what it was going to accomplish when he did that. And it was worth it to him. He gave thanks and he marched on Though he was beaten, falsely accused, spit on, humiliated, he marched on toward the cross and nothing was going to stop him. He advanced by thanking God for what he was going to go through. And then Hebrews, the author of the Hebrews elaborates on it a little bit more. In chapter 12, you know the scripture. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then I love this verse, for consider him, Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged. If we think of Jesus, if we remember Jesus, if we look unto Jesus, we are encouraged in our souls, not discouraged. Because he did it, and we can do it too, because we have that power of the Spirit living within us. When we complain rather than give thanks, we are sending this message to God. I don't trust you. Really? Really, and I'm guilty. I'm guilty. In fact, I was thinking I, I had to drive to Dearborn today, uh, kind of earlier in the morning, and uh, you know how traffic can be. Uh, and then it was raining and all that stuff. And so uh, everybody's driving real slow, except for a few that are driving way too fast and trying to get around. And in fact, I almost got rear-ended trying to get on the Southfield Freeway. Uh, but fortunately, I, I saw the guy coming. And I moved over to the left, and he, there was a shoulder there, and he, he was about even with me in my door, so he would hit me pretty hard. And uh, I had some thoughts, but the first thought actually was, thank you, Lord, that he missed me, you know? I'd have been late for my appointment, and I just got my truck out of the shop being fixed, so <laughs> it would have been a little more of a hassle. But on the way back, I had to keep reminding myself, hey, you're preaching on gratitude tonight. Don't be murmuring about this traffic. (laughs) It's easy to do. The Israelites were in the, you know, they just saw all these miracles of God. Ten wonderful miracles toward Egypt that, that, that brought Egypt to, the Pharaoh to his knees. And then the parting of the Red Sea, drowning the enemy. And they didn't go very far before they started complaining because they didn't have water. They were murmuring and complaining and murmuring and complaining. And Moses was fed up with them. And he pleaded to God, oh God, what am I going to do with these people? And you know what happened? God judged them. And they wandered around in that wilderness for 40 years. 40 years. Only Caleb and Joshua actually entered that promised land from that generation because they, they were men of faith. Men of gratitude. When we, I'll close with this. When we give thanks to the Almighty, we remain in faith because if we complain, we are creating an environment for doubt and worry to take over 
and the situation will still remain. When we give God praise and thanksgiving from our hearts, we are reminding ourselves of what God has already done for us. And that builds hope in our hearts that he will come through again. We remind ourselves of God's love for us and that nothing is impossible for him, not even your toughest situation. So in all, and like Thessalonians says, in all things, give thanks. Amen. You don't need this. It's mine. <laughs> How many of you know what it's like to be in the middle with the Lord? And what I mean by the middle is the time, the space in between when a promise is given and we see a promise fulfilled. When we first have that prayer that's uttered and we see that prayer answered, that space in the middle where we have the courage to believe for a breakthrough and we wait until we see that breakthrough. I want to talk about how gratitude can make all the difference when we're in the middle. And I want you, if you're taking notes, to write this phrase down because I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to give this truth and this phrase to someone tonight. Gratitude moves you forward while you're in the middle. I'm going to say that again. Gratitude moves you forward when you're, when you're in the middle. Because you, you see, when God gives a promise or when a prayer is first uttered <laughs> or when we first have hope for a breakthrough, we can either stay in that place and be miserable <laughs> until we see that breakthrough and you know, if you've been walking with the Lord long enough, sometimes that middle is much longer than we want it to be. Sometimes God quickly answers prayer. Sometimes we pray for weeks, for months, for years. Some of us are in the middle tonight. And something that can make all the difference, and as Pastor Steve said, taking ground really in our hearts, in our souls is the, the choice, the decision, the conviction, the resolve of, I'm going to be grateful in the middle. I'm going to choose to be grateful. You know, my husband and I, we love to plan trips, to plan fun family outings for our kids. We love to make memories, share new experiences. And because of the ages of our children, 6, 8, and 11, we know that when it comes time to telling our kids what the trip is or what the, the Friday night out is going to be, it better be really close <laughs> to when we're about to pile in the car and, and head on that trip or go out the door. Anybody you know, you experience this with your kids? Because as soon as we tell our kids something exciting that's coming, something that mom and dad have planned, something that they are looking forward to, they want it now. And if there is space in the middle between when we tell them what's going to happen and that thing actually happening, it's a tidal wave of questions. Oh my goodness. Well, when are we going? And in our house, how many sleeps is that? What are we going to do? Is it going to be fun? Have I done it before? What do I wear? What's the weather going to be like? Are you going to be there? Are you going to drop us off? What's it? I, I mean, the questions. In fact, I was thinking just at the beginning of the month, we took a family vacation 
And we told our kids, okay, we're going to go down south. We're going to spend time with mom's side of the family. You're going to see cousins. We're going to go to Arkansas. And I, these, this is just a, a tip of the iceberg. The questions that just come rushing in. Will we fly? Will we drive? Will there be movies on the plane? How long is the plane ride? What time will we get there? How much school will I miss? How many days will we be there? What are we going to do? Where will I sleep? Is it cold there? What's the temperature like? Will we do anything fun? What kind of roller coasters will... I mean, it's incessant. (laughs) So much so where my husband and I will look at our kids and say, stop. (laughs) We'll tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. We can become so obsessed with the how, with the what, with the where, with the details, with the lack of trust, with the impatience of, I want it now, that in the middle of when the Lord spoke that dream and that dream was fulfilled or that prayer was said and that prayer is answered, or that breakthrough is believed for and that breakthrough is experienced, it can either be riddled with frustration and impatience and questioning and doubting, or in that middle, we can move forward because of gratitude. Because of gratitude. We can be so focused on the end of something that we don't even enjoy the experience. I'm guilty of this. In fact, when I think about traveling with my family, I can get so like, okay, we got to drive an hour to Detroit and we got to get through security and we got to get on the plane. And I hope if nobody has a meltdown on the plane and then we got to get picked up. And I'm so uptight. I'm so, you know, stressed out, intense that I will often have to stop myself and say, enjoy the ride. Enjoy the plane ride. Enjoy the waiting. Because if we're not careful, we sabotage any enjoyment of the process between the beginning of the journey and the end. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my Christian life in knots. And in the space between what God has spoken and seeing that thing fulfilled, to just be on edge and frustrated and tense and torture within my own thoughts, I want to enjoy the process. And the key to that is gratitude. What I want to look at tonight is in Genesis. And the Lord just recently challenged me with this as I read about Abraham and his response. Because we all know about Abraham and how he is A perfect picture of a promise given a very long middle (laughs) before the promise was fulfilled. And so I just want to draw your attention to a few quick verses. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit, whoever he wants to speak this to, that it would just encourage your heart tonight. But Abraham, at the beginning of chapter 12, we see, I'm just going to read the first two verses and then jump down to verse 6 and 7. Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. God's speaking something to him. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people on the earth will be blessed by you. God is revealing and speaking a powerful, incredible promise to Abram. Let's see his response. (laughs) 
Skip down to verse 6. Abram traveled through the land as far as the side of the great tree of Morah to Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So Abraham then freaked out and had a bunch of questions. Nope. (laughs) So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. In some commentaries behind this scripture, it says that that altar, the motive and the heart behind that was a response of gratitude. Thank you, God, for the promise. His response to the speakings and the dealings and the work of God is, thank you. I will hold on to this. God, I worship you. I acknowledge. I honor. I reverence you. I thank you. Rather than a response of, which can easily be our response, that's when, how, I need more, right? Maybe it's out of excitement, maybe it's out of a lack of trust or a desire for control, needing to know the middle, but his response is, thank you, Lord. And we know that when God speaks, at least this is how it is in my life, he gives very little details to me. He will give one word, one phrase, one promise, and I'm left to fill in the fill in the details with my imagination. But rather than filling in the middle of, well, maybe it'll be like this, and maybe it'll be like that, and then before I know it, I'm in knots, and throughout the whole middle, I haven't had a heart of gratitude. I haven't enjoyed the process between the thing that was spoken to the thing fulfilled. I haven't had gratitude in the midst, and I missed out on what really the Lord was doing. Just recently I was having a conversation with someone and I feel like I'm in the, in the middle in a season in my life and I was expressing some, some thoughts and some feelings and I was encouraged, just embrace what God is doing right now. Rather than being frustrated in the middle, embrace what God is doing. And you might find yourself in the middle right now. Maybe you're in the middle of a season of finding healing through grief. Or you're in the middle of waiting to see that prayer answered within your family. Let me challenge you to look at what God is doing and be grateful. Rather than being frustrated that that prayer has not been answered yet, God, I see you working. And that takes a mature Christian to do that. It takes a mature Christian to put on the lens of gratitude and say, God, it's not fulfilled yet, but I see you working in my heart. (laughs) God, I see you digging deeper, and you're calling me to deeper levels of prayer. God, I see you purifying me. God, I see you strengthening my marriage. God, I see you working in this way. And I love that song. We sing it all the time. Even when I don't see it, you're working. To have that type of lens in the middle of, okay, it's, I know we're not across the finish line yet, but God, I do see your sovereign hand at work. And I think it's a discipline, too, of gratitude to stop ourselves in our tracks and say, God, I see you doing this. Thank you. This was Abraham's response. And I'll just quickly jump ahead to Genesis 13. It's another wave of God just revealing to Abraham after him and Lot separate and they go their separate ways to the land. 
verse 14, it says, the Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and south and east and west and all the land that you see, I'll give to you and your offspring forever. So God is continuing to unfold the promise that he has. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and the breadth of the land for I'm giving it to you. So Abram moved his tent and went to live near the trees of Marmah and Hebron where he built an altar to the Lord. Was the promise fulfilled yet? Nope. But he still had a heart of gratitude in the process. And so my question to you tonight Are you waiting for God to do something? Are you believing God to do something, a healing, a promise fulfilled, an answered prayer? Maybe you're in a season and it's just lasting way longer than you wanted. Your finances, maybe waiting for a a breakthrough with your health. Let me challenge you to choose gratitude. You may not be totally healed, but look how far he's brought you. Amen? You may not be on the other side yet, but look how the Lord has surrounded you with the body of Christ. And some days when we're in a really dark, deep valley, our gratitude is, thank you, God, that I got out of bed this morning. Thank you, God, that your word is alive. Thank you, God, that your love does not fail me. Thank you, God, that you are on the throne. Thank you, God, that my feelings are not the truth, but your word is the truth and you've set me free. We have to, as mature believers, discipline ourselves in the middle, whether we're in a valley, whatever it might be, gratitude is what's going to move us forward. Amen? Gratitude is what's going to move us forward. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Don't let the enemy take ground in the middle. Gratitude is what helps us to take ground. Your gra- don't allow him to take your worship, your gratitude, because you aren't in on all the details of what God's doing. Begin to see how God is working and thank him for it. So my challenge to you today is if you're in the middle, what can you be thankful for right now? Pause and reflect. God, while I'm in the middle, this is what I see you doing. Thank you, God. Is your prayer life getting stronger? Are your relationships being impacted in a positive way? (laughs) Do you have clothes on your body, food in your belly? Begin to push back despair and hopelessness with gratitude. So I'll say it one more time as I close and pass it off to my husband. Gratitude moves you forward while you're in the middle. Amen? Amen. Great word. Man. Uh, one man's trash is another man's treasure. That's because that man is thankful for it. Nobody uh, uh, fights for something they don't want. You you want to to you, you'll take ground if you're thankful. You you'll want it. I think about one of David's mighty men who defended a pea patch. Why would he do that? He wanted it. He was, th- he was thankful for it. He didn't want the enemy to take it from him. If you're not thankful for something, you'll lose it. You don't care. We buy our kids gifts all the time. I wish they were more thankful for them. They wouldn't uh, 
break them or leave them outside in the rain. You know, they don't, they're, not th- they're not thankful for it. My, my son treats his Nintendo Switch differently than his little $5 car from the dollar store, right? He's more thankful. You, if you're thankful for something, you'll, move, you'll want it. You'll defend it. You'll take, you'll take it. You'll, one man's trash is another man's treasure. I'll take that. I'm thankful for that. Sure, you don't want it. Looks good to me. Perspective helps too, doesn't it? I hate to say this, but there's probably somebody out there who has a whole lot worse than you right now. It's true. Listen to this story. In 1999, waitress Tonda Dickerson was tipped a lottery ticket. She took the lottery ticket to the gas station. It was $10 million. Praise the Lord. Her colleagues sued her for their share. Then she was sued by the man who tipped her the ticket. Later, she was kidnapped by her ex-husband, and she had to shoot him in the chest. Finally, she went to court against the IRS. How many people are thankful they're not Tonda Dickerson? (laughs) Story started out pretty good, didn't it? Wow, I wish somebody would tip me a lottery ticket for $10 million. No, you don't. I was listening to a message from a man who is really uh, dedicated his entire life to the book of Revelation. And he was asked a question, and he was asked, why, why is everything falling apart? And he said, things are not falling apart. Things are falling into place. I like that perspective. We can be thankful today. Because there's no one or nothing that can stop the will of God for your life. Acts 26, verse 14, Paul's walking on the road to Damascus, ready to uh, imprison more Christians in hopes that they would eventually be led to death. And a bright light interrupted that journey on the road to Damascus. And it says in verse 14 of Acts 26, we all fell down. And I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Sometimes we think people are going to take something from us. Or somebody's going to take advantage of us. But I want to tell you right now with a word of encouragement from the Lord to you, there's nothing that can come against you that's not for the will of God. Nobody can do something to you outside of the will of the Lord for your life. So if something's happening to you right now, You can just take it in stride and saying, I must be in the will of the Lord right now. Amen, church? Our worries and our fears come from a place of doubt and unbelief. But verse 14 of Acts 26 reminds all of us tonight that nothing and no one is ever going to stop the will of God for our lives. Just yesterday, I woke up. Maybe it was because on Monday me and Jen and Pastor Steve put together the, this message series on thankfulness, but I just woke up yesterday and I, I spent my entire time 
praying, but it was all spent just thanking the Lord. Just thanking God. And it didn't take me long to begin to be thankful for really small things that were really important to me. Lord, all my five of us are healthy. That's impossible. It's a, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Lord, it's not uh, Tuesday. It's not super cold today. This is really nice. I was on my prayer walk. This, I'm, thank you, Lord, for this weather. And I just began to thank God for the things, for the things. I could just as easily have spent my prayer time complaining to God about things. But I just chose to be thankful. And I can't tell you what it did to the spirit man that sometimes is small inside of me. It, it really grew. The spirit man grew. And I, it came alive and it woke up early in the morning on my prayer walk. And the whole rest of the morning was just spent just being thankful for the wonderful things in my life. Just being offensive with your thankfulness. Start your day. Not with lies from the enemy and complaining coming from inside of you, but start your day with deliberately fighting the enemy back with thankfulness. I woke up today. There's a hot shower today. There's a warm English McMuffin waiting for me at the McDonald's drive-thru. Thank you, Jesus. I'm telling you, you could be thankful for things. Uh, thank you, Jesus. The Detroit Lions are six and two. Thank you, Jesus. Miracle! Breakthrough! <laughs> Philippians 4, verse 8. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Speaking words of thankfulness, boy, that enemy runs away immediately. All those negative thoughts are all from the enemy. You can get rid of the enemy by just thinking on positive things. Gratitude, it allows you to take ground. It allows you to move forward. It's an offensive weapon. I challenge you to just end tonight as you fall asleep, thanking God for things in your life. You'll start to just smile. You'll go to bed laughing. You'll fall asleep laughing, not crying. Amen, church? Amen. A gratitude opens a door to God's presence. So start your day with thanks. Start your prayers with thanks. Gratitude will get your freedom. I told you, you think you have it bad? Just think about somebody else. Go ahead and think about Jonah. You think you got it bad right now? Just be thankful you're not inside a fish. And Jonah 2, verses 9 through 10, it says, But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Freedom. Get me out of this fish. Sometimes it does feel like we're living in a stinky, rotten fish, doesn't it? Well, you know, just begin to lift up your praise. And to acknowledge where your salvation has come from. And that stinky, rotten fish will spit you out. You'll get the freedom you so desire. Gratitude, it gets you out of the fish. You know what else it does? It, it really does impact those around you. Your community. 
I like the story in, in Acts chapter 27. Paul is on a boat with 276 people, and they had spent 14 days at, um, fighting a typhoon hurricane storm in the winter season. They could not get to shore, and the Lord finally gets a way for them to barely swim to shore. The, boat, the, the story in the Bible even says some men couldn't swim. And so they just held on to a, a piece of wood and somehow kicked their way to the shoreline. And they all survived. And Paul says this in verse uh, 33. He says to them of Acts 27, it starts there. It says, just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You have been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. Please, eat something now for your own good, for not a hair of your heads will perish. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat, all 276 of us who were on board. Your thankfulness will encourage so many around you. It it will impact your community. We need more people who are thankful, I think. I really do think we need it. I want to finish with this story, and we're going to end with a worship song together. But there is a Swedish pastor. He's really awesome. His name is uh, Joachim Lundquist. And he comes from a generation of Christians. And he tells a story when he was a high schooler, his grandma was in her 90s, and she had served the Lord and loved the Lord her whole life, and it finally came to the end of her life, and towards the end, she had this stroke, and the stroke took away her ability to, to speak, but she could speak two words, and two words only, and those words, for some reason, that she could speak were, thank you. And he says that he would frequently visit her at her house, especially after the stroke. And he had decided after school one day, he was going to stop off at his grandma's house just to say hi. And he he, he went into the house and he went into her room. And he says he walked into her room and she didn't know that he was there, but she was lying on her bed on her back, hands raised in the air. And all she was saying over and over again was, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And he says he, he, didn't, he didn't expect it, but he had walked into a room and it was full of the presence of God. And she was worshiping Jesus with the only two words she could. And she, oh, thank you. And then she finally noticed he was there and she looked at him and goes, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And, she stra- and he hugged her and he says, my grandma ended the last few months of her life just saying thank you. He says it was so <laughs> encouraging that he has said, Lord, that's how I want to leave this world, saying thank you. Isn't that encouraging? Gratitude will force that thing out of your hand. Envy, anger, strife, grief. It, it'll force it out of your hand. Let's stand to our feet tonight. And as we do, I'll share this with you. And then we'll worship together. But I saw this commercial. 
and it was a commercial for a virus protection plan for your phone. And they were interviewing people on the street, and they were saying, asking them how much does your phone mean to you? And you got to, you know, we're, we're so obsessed with our phones, you know. And so they just were, oh, my phone is everything to me. It's everything to me. And the guy said, right now, I'll give you $2,500 cash if you throw your phone into the river. Nobody dared throw their phone into the river. And the final guy in the commercial heard the offer. He took that phone out of his pocket without even hesitating, and he threw it into the river. And the guy was like, whoa, you're the first person to throw your phone into the river today. He says, $2,500. I'll go spend $500 on the phone. All my information's on the iCloud. I just got $2,000 cash. Woohoo! And he grabbed that money and ran. Ran. Thankful. But in order to do that, folks, he had to get that thing out of his hand. That was holding him back from receiving $2,500. We got got, gratitude just says, gets that thing out of your hand. Whatever you're holding on to, trust me, you're holding on to something. And gratitude just says, see ya. I see the gift. (laughs) I see the gift of gratitude you're trying to give me, Lord. So let's worship to this song. We know it. It's It's a little rendition of it. Let's just end the night worshiping together. Can we, church?